Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. It's been repeated so many times, but I am thankful for the promise that he said he would never leave me nor forsake me. I'm thankful for a God that will stand by my side no matter what I face or what I go through. Good evening to everyone. If you're a guest here tonight, we say welcome and thank you uh, for being part of our service and being with us. Um, I'd also like to add to the prayer request list, let's remember the Megan Zipper family uh, would be the niece of Sister Nicole or Sister Vicky and the cousin to Sister Nicole. Um, family has suffered a tragic loss and... Uh, it's times like these. There's no explanation, uh, but God understands, and he promised he would bring a peace that passes all understanding. So if you would, uh, remember them in the days to come. If you would, go with me this evening to the book of Luke, chapter 7. Book of Luke, chapter 7. going to read two verses this evening from our text. Be from the book of Luke, and then I will go to the book of Isaiah. If I may this evening, just want to kind of speak transparently and just bring some reminders to us, bring some things to our attention that perhaps sometimes if you're anything like me, I can't remember but a few things at one time anyway, so I have to be reminded of things quite often. Uh, the book of Luke, chapter 7, verse 20. If you have that, would you say amen? When the men were come unto him, they said, John Baptist has sent us unto thee, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? And if we could understand this evening that John the Baptist was the forerunner, of the Messiah that was to come. He was the Christ who we knew today to be Jesus. And Jesus was the one who Isaiah spoke of in 9 and 6. He said, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. And if I may this evening for just the next few minutes, I want to speak to us from this subject. Jesus is still the answer. Father, I love you, and I'm so grateful for the privilege to be in this house. So thankful that we can come together and offer praise and adoration towards the King of Kings. I'm asking right now, Lord, as we take this journey through your word, that you would just clear our mind, that you would open our hearts, and Lord, just help us to look into you. Help us to look into your word and see exactly what it will take to help us to make this journey. Your word is true. 
And your word is the standard in which we set against to live our lives by. And we thank you for that. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said amen. And before you're seated, turn to your neighbor and say something kind to them. Praise the Lord. Notice I said kind. I didn't want you to say nothing mean this evening. At our at our reading in, in Luke 7 and 20, we find John, at this point he's imprisoned and about to be beheaded. Uh, multiple scriptures prophesied about John that he would be the one who would open the door to the world and introduce Jesus as the Messiah and the Christ. However, in this place of imprisonment, and probably uh, I would have to believe that John is at a point of despair, he sends two followers out on a mission. And see, John is human. This, is, this has been a comfort in Scripture to me. I've had the opportunity to read over it several times in the, in the last 48 hours, and so it's been comforting to me to see that, that John is really a human being. Um, I can't speak for everyone, but I can, I can speak for myself. There are times that I find myself doubting. Uh, I hope that's not too transparent, but there are times I find myself uh, against something or facing something, and I ask myself the question, is, this, is it really, really worth it all? So it was comforting to me to find that John has went through this same scenario. He's went through this same situation. He's found himself behind bars, and he's asking himself the question now, is this what we're looking for? Is this really it? So he sends out two people to find out. You see, John had been telling the world that Jesus Christ is coming. He had spent his life and his ministry telling people who would repent of their sins that there was coming one after him who was greater than himself and who would take away the sins of the world. But at the end of John's life and behind these prison walls, there is a question uh, that John is is battling with is in his mind, was it all worth it? Was it all for nothing? All the preaching and the witnessing and, and the life that he had spent in service to the kingdom and to the God, the question John wanted to know, uh, the answer to is simply, is Jesus, is he really the answer? Is, is he the answer and does his baptism supersede John's baptism? Is he the answer and is he greater than all of the prophets that might have come before him? Is he the answer and does he have all authority over any other God in the world? Is he the answer and is he greater than anything that this world has ever seen? John said, go and find out if he's the one that we've been looking for or should we just keep looking for someone else? And see, this is where so many people find themselves in the world today. They're looking and they're searching. Lives need to be changed. People need to be delivered. Relationships need to be mended. Families need to be healed. Souls need to be saved. And they are looking to find out if what we have is real or not. 
They want to know that this Jesus that we talk about, this Jesus that we worship and adore, uh, is he the one that can put their family back together? Is he the one that can deliver them from their habits? And is he the one that can, can save them from destroying their life? They want to know if what we have is real. Or is this just some other fad or facet? Can I, can I just say this evening that's why it's so important that our witness does not look like the world's witness. Let me, let me be clear, and please don't misunderstand me. I'm not talking about putting on a show or putting on a front or being false, but it really matters how we act in what we do outside of these walls. And I, and I know you know that. And again, I'm not talking about living for somebody else but living for Jesus, but it is important, very important that if we're going to represent the kingdom of God, that we be a credible witness. Um, Jenny and I was in a parking lot at at Lowe's Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening, and uh, we was about to get in a truck and just happened to uh, bump into us. They actually come over to us, recognized us, a couple that we know, kind of an older couple that we've been friends with a long time. And, And as we begin to talk and and as they begin to share some stories, they've had some difficult time with a, one of their children and faced some, some obstacles in their life with health. And uh, this lady began to break down and begin to cry. And she began to, she repeatedly tried to apologize for her crying. And I just kind of listened as Jennifer would bring her comfort. And this is not an attaboy or a pat on the back. I'm just sharing something with you. She would try to bring her some comfort and, and, and was telling her, it's all right, you, you go ahead and cry. And I thought as they walked away, she said, God sent y'all here today. And I thought about it as she walked away. I said, what, what would have happened? What, we would have destroyed every bit of what just took place if we'd have got to the truck and Jennifer went to beat me over the head about how much money I had spent in Lowe's. What if I would not, what if we would not have conducted ourselves in a manner? And again, I'm not talking about putting on a show. I'm not talking about being, being something we're not. But it really, really matters how we act. I seen something the other day, and I'm, I'm not sure if I seen it on social media or, or where this might have been. But a, a teacher turned around to write on a chalkboard, and he said, nine times one equals seven. Nine times two equals 18. Nine times three equals 27. Nine times four equals 36. Nine times five equals 45. Nine times six equals 54. He turned around to the class of students and he says, what do you see? And everyone replied that nine times one is not seven. They didn't see the five that was right. They only saw the one that was wrong. Sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, we only get one chance to make an impact on someone's life. So when we get that chance, we got to be sure that we're in the will of the Lord. And I'm not here tonight to denounce or debate any other religion in some things that I'm about to say. I'm not here to say whether any other church may or not get it right on doctrine. But what I do want to do and what we are doing is we're exploring the Word of God. And it's not about being, and and take this in the context I'm saying, it's not about being an apostolic. It's not about being a Baptist or a Methodist or Presbyterian. I have an 
an intention of trying to point out, I have no intention of trying to point out any other differences of anything else that takes place in any church across this country. But what I do want to point out and what I do want to draw our attention to is the Word of God. Can we establish and do we believe that without doubt this is the sovereign Word of God, full of truth, and it is what is bound between these pages will keep us out an eternity of hell and it will put us in heaven with the King of Kings. If that's true, and if that is what we believe, if we believe every written word bound in these pages, then that tells me that Jesus is still the answer to all the problems of this world. And if Jesus is still the answer, then the world needs to see something different in us. They need to see something unlike they've already seen or heard of before. If our faith is helpless and hopeless as the rest of the face of the world, then we, we don't really have nothing to offer than what they already really have. People need a genuine touch from God in their life. I'll return to Luke 7 and 20. He said, when the, when the men were come unto him, they said, John Baptist has sent us unto thee, saying, Art that Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? Verse 21 says, And in that same hour he cured many of their infirmities and plagues and of evil spirits, and unto many that were blind he gave sight. It's interesting to me that when these men showed up wanting to know if he was the real deal or not, Jesus was busy healing, delivering, casting out devils, setting people free from the junk that was destroying their lives. Sometimes it's not what you say, but what you do. We have a false pretense sometimes that we need to go around opening our mouth all the time, climbing on top of a stump, declaring the glory of God. And there is a time and a place for that, but sometimes it is, has nothing to do with what we say. It's what we do and how we act. I wonder sometimes what people who are looking for the real deal, find when they come to an apostolic church. I wonder if they find people uh, whose lives are being healed and people being set free. Or do they come and see a bunch of carnality? Do they find people struggling to get along? Do they find people too concerned about their own lives to help the church or someone in need? That's why every service is so important. Every service we come to, I know it's Wednesday night and all of us has worked all day and we're tired, but it's important to give everything we got. None of us, none of us in this house, and I don't mean to be crude or rude, but none of us are promised tomorrow. We may lay our head down tonight and not wait to see another day. So we got to treat every service. It's important that every time I come into the house of the Lord, I treat this like this is the last time that I'm going to get to worship the Lord, that this is the last altar call that I'll ever get to take part of, or this is the last sermon that I'll ever get to preach. Every service matters because we never know who may come in that needs a divine touch from the God and woe be unto us if we can't create an atmosphere where people feel welcome to come in and pour themselves out to God. And it's an important question that we as a church must ask and answer. And we can only do that for ourselves. What are the bruised and the bound going to find when they come to church? More bruising, more bondage, more negativity than what they already face. 
more of what they already have because if what we have is not better than what they got, then what's the use of them hanging around? And can you blame them? People need the love of God. People need the love of one another. They need something that can put their life back together. They need something that can heal and deliver them. And Jesus is still the answer. Luke gives an account in 22, 7 and 22. He says, then Jesus answering them. This is the, this is the two that John has sent on this mission. He said, I want you to go find out. He said, go your way and tell John what things ye have seen and heard. How that the blind see and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and to the poor the gospel is preached. See, Jesus' ministry was something that the world had never seen. Of all the promised false Christ and the Messiahs, of all the religions and, uh, that had promised so much, nobody Nobody was walking the face of the earth doing what Jesus was doing. He came doing miracles. He came doing something that nobody else could do. And he came making a difference in a way that others only dreamed about. So I feel pressed this evening to ask us as a congregation, what do people find when they show up at Hatch Bend? Are they going to find some world changers or some way makers? Are they going to find people who are really living what we claim to be? Verse 23 of chapter 7 in Luke says, And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. See, John the Baptist's ministry was a ministry of repentance. But Jesus told them in John 10 and 10 that the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Jesus told them there was not... He said, I'm not only here to fulfill the prophecies and the preaching of John the Baptist. He said, but I'm, I've come to, to give you some life. It's, it's, a, it's great to be a part of church. It's great to be part of a congregation. But I can't help but think of the song that Sister Donna Tumman sings, that it's a good life. I'm, I'm thankful for all of this. I'm thankful for what we have here. But my day-to-day life when it's just me and nobody else, it's a good life living for the Lord. Paul said in, in, in Hebrews 11 and 25, he said, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. All of Paul's life and ministry was not uh, a time of suffering, but there were times when in order to be a witness and a preacher of the gospel, he had to go through some things, and he had to go through some suffering. And you see, we face those same scenarios and situations in our day-to-day lives. We all have choices to make in our life and in our walk with God, and we can either go along with the world and, and, and do as they do so that we don't seem different. Heaven forbid that we go somewhere and look different, not, not fit in at the mall or, or not fit in at the gym. We can, we can either fall in line with the rest of the crowd or we can go through some suffering from time to time and stand out. And again, I want to I reemphasize here our witness. It matters how we conduct ourselves. It, it matters how we carry ourselves. It matters how we dress in public and how we speak in public and, and where we go. Paul, Paul admitted it. He said, there is pleasure in sin. It would be a, a, a falsehood or a lie to stand, stand here today and say that, and, and all of you know this, and if there's any young people in here, uh, 
it, it would be untruthful for me to stand here and tell you that the world is not fun and that there is not some good times to be had. But take it from somebody with some experience. It is only for a season. And when it is over, when it is done, there's nothing but grief and pain and sorrow. There, no doubt there are some things that the flesh would rather do than to follow Jesus Christ. But Paul said they're only for a season. In other words, it ain't going to last very long. It feels good for a while, but the, the hurt's coming. The destroyed relationships are coming. The damaged families are coming. And a lot of times what people are dealing with is problems, and they focus on these problems, and they dwell on these problems when the problem isn't always the problem. It's very possible, and more often times than not, people are struggling uh, what they're struggling with goes much deeper than what they're struggling with. That don't make very much sense. So let me say it like this. Sometimes the healing I think I need isn't the healing I need. Sometimes what I think I need isn't really what I need. I, I want this. But Jesus says, uh-uh. You, 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 this is this is what you need. People are struggling with a, a host and a list of things in their life, but what many don't realize is that in times it's not the visible issue. Let me uh, let me use this for an example. For alcoholism, yes, that may seem and appear to be the problem, but that's not the real issue. The real issue goes way back to perhaps childhood or something that transpired in their life or, or, or something, but, but we cover things up. We, 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 we deal with things in our own special way and we cover them up. In many ways, people create their own little, uh, religions is a bad word, but they cre create their own little religions, their own way of dealing with problems and create their own gods, whether that be money, success, popularity, whatever it may be. Uh, but many of these things is not the real problem. What, what we see on the surface, what I'm dealing with that you may see on the surface is not the real problem. In fact, in moderation, some things are acceptable and even necessary, but not when they become our crutch, not when they become the thing that we use to cover our pain. You, you ever, if, if I got a... Um, if I've got something wrong internally with me, say I've got some stomach issues and I go to the doctor, and I'm in a lot of pain, and I'm hurting, and he's asking questions. He's trying to diagnose me. Now, a good doctor with a good chair-side manner is going to make me feel comfortable, and he's, he's going to talk in a way that I can understand, and he, he's going to try to get to the, to the problem. So when he begins to ask me questions like, what did I have for breakfast? What did I eat last night? Have I been doing anything out of character? I would be, if I want healing, I would be a, a, a fool to, to say, well, Doc, I don't want to tell you what I eat last night. That's really none of your business. I just need you to diagnose what's wrong with me right now. And the point I'm trying to make is when people, there's some damaged people in this world, ladies and gentlemen, that are needing something to change their life. And when they come into this house, 
you and I have an obligation and we have an, a, a responsibility to have a good chairside manner, if I may say that, and create an atmosphere where they can come down and talk to the doctor and he can ask them anything and they feel comfortable telling him anything and they can pour their soul out so many times, more often than not, judgment, and, and, and a host of other things can take place right here inside this church. And you may not believe that or not, but it's the truth. Sometimes things can take place inside of this church and people come in and they feel that. And they, they want to give everything they got. They want to pour out what they got to God, but they come to the altar and get up leaving. I have done this myself, leaving without leaving. I needed to leave it there but I picked it right back up and carried it with me because I didn't feel comfortable. The mood didn't seem to be right. Something wasn't clicking, and that's why I'll go back to what I said. Every service matters. Everything we do from, the, from, from 7.30 till the time we close this matters because people's lives are involved, and when people's lives are involved, we're talking about heaven and hell. We're talking about an eternity. It's a daily fight trying to live right and do the right thing. And the, and the question people are trying to answer when they come to the house of the Lord, when they come to this house, is this Jesus that we worship? Is he really better than what they already have? And I say yes, yes, Jesus is still the answer. Are we living the abundant life? I spoke of John 10 and 10. He said, I come to give life more abundantly. Are we living the abundant life? Or is our life what Peter described? In 2 Peter 2 and 22, he said, But it has happened unto them, according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again. And the sow that was washed, <laughs> she's went back to wallowing in the mire. I want to choose the abundant life. Uh, excuse me for being rude, but I've been the sow wallowing in the mire. And I, I don't want to be there. I, I, where I come from, and I say this with great shame tonight, but where I come from, when I, I don't want to forget about what the Lord's done for me. But I don't want to dwell on it because where I come from makes my stomach sick. Where I come from, where I come from was destruction and it was ruining my soul. And where I come from made my life dirty and filthy, and I want to choose the abundant life. I, I'm looking to the Jesus that is still the answer. I choose the blessed life. Life is hard, life is tough, and it has a way of knocking us down. But sometimes we have to, we have to get a, a dog bit mentality, if I may say that, and get a hold of something better than the junk that's trying to take over our lives. And if we can get a hold of Jesus and understand that if we cling to him, he will take complete control and have complete authority over our lives. Again, I say that he come to give life more abundantly. In other words, Jesus promised us that what he has to offer, it is better. The spirit that he would give someone would be better than any spirit that they could get from the world. The promise of eternal life he would give them would be better than what the world could ever, ever offer. And as John sits in his prison cell, having spent his life preaching about the one who would come after him, he's waiting for an answer. And Jesus is still the answer. In closing this evening, as our musicians come, when the disciples that... 
that he had sent out on this mission return, they repeat what Jesus told them in verse 22 of chapter 7. He said, go your way and tell John what things ye have seen and heard, how that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised, and to the poor this gospel is preached. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. They tell John, don't, don't worry, John. Don't, don't be offended by Jesus. He, he's the answer to the, lies, to the lies that the enemy's been telling. He's the answer to the sin that's been destroying the souls. He's the answer, and you don't have to be ashamed of him, John. He's the, he's the real deal. And the blind see and the lame walk. What you've been preaching and prophesying has come to pass. What the world has needed is now here. It was all for a reason, John. It was all for a purpose. Your life and his ministry was not spent in vain, and it's the same that for you and I. This, this life we are living for the Lord is not in vain. The world will tell us <laughs> that we're missing out. Uh, the, the world will tell us that uh, sometimes we'll be even referred to as nuts, but... God has a distinct and specific purpose and you may be the only individual in your family living for the Lord. You may be the only individual on your job living for the Lord. You may be the, the only individual that particular day at that particular place in that particular supermarket living for the Lord. But this one thing I do know and I firmly believe in that God has a purpose in everywhere he puts us. If this Holy Ghost that is in us, is real, and I believe it is. Everywhere he puts us, we have a purpose to be there. The question is or not, are, are we tuned in to the Spirit of God? Are we tuned in to what he's, where he's put us and what he's put us for? Well, Jerry, what, what, how can you say that God's put me on this job? He said the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Where you are today, God has a plan. He, he is the answer. And sometimes we get caught up in the whirlwind of life and we can't quite wrap our minds around and understand how important and how, how much we need God. The devil tries to fill us with all kind of nonsense. But we, we have to understand that only Jesus, the old song used to say, uh, only Jesus can satisfy my soul. And what, what the enemy of our souls pushes as satisfaction and gratification is short-lived and it will leave us wounded. The psalmist said in 145 and 16, Thou openest thy hand and satisfiest the desire of every living thing. Now only a God I serve can do that. And here is why. Here is why it is so important for you and I to seek after him. And that's because this world will leave us hungry. This world will leave us wanting more and this world will leave us lost. But he satisfies. Jesus will never leave your home destroyed. He's going to never leave your body scarred. He's not going to leave you full of sin and perversion. He's better than all that. He, he gives life. And what people are looking for in this day and hour, what they come to this house to seek is Jesus. Because he's still the answer and he's here. What broken families need is here. 
what the lost and destitute need is here. It's here right now. Whatever you face, what, whatever is up against, what, whatever has taken place in your life, the answer to fixing it is here. And that's because Jesus is here and he's still the answer. At the end of the day when all is said and done, Jesus is still the answer. Can we stand across this house this evening? Can we lift our hands to the Lord? And can we just ask him to reaffirm in our mind and reassure us, I have no idea what you may be facing today, what your family may be facing, but I do know this, that my God is the answer. I thank you, Jesus, for the promises that you've given my life. I thank you, Lord. I thank you for the rock and the refuge and the strong tower. Praise the This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.